I'm Alan Watts, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on September the 12th, 2012. For newcomers, I always suggest you make good use of CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. Uh, there's over a thousand audios for downloads, and you, you'll start to understand the system you're born into and how uh, diabolically cra- crazy it is. It's crazy like a fox, of course, because big uh, moneyed people a long time ago got together. They always formed cabals. That's always the way of money and uh, wealthy people, and they decided to direct the world in the proper direction, the direction that they planned that would serve them better, and that means all of us along with it too. And so they planned to take over the world a long time ago. They formed organizations. They, they even got royal charters to have these organizations granted to them at the Royal Institute for International Affairs. And the Council on Foreign Relations is just an American branch of it. And they went ahead to, to form unions of countries and eventually amalgamate them. And, of course, I've gone through the history of this in the past. Go into the archive section at cuttingthroughmedias.com. Help yourself find out the big organizations behind it. They're still on the go today. They give you all of your history in school because they write the books. They have the, the big corporations that write the books for school children to give them the fake histories. And they also uh, give you all your media as well. So they give you your thoughts and your opinions, and you come to the desired conclusions that they want you to have. Remember, too, that you're the audience that bring me to you, so you can help me keep going by buying the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And to do so, you can, uh, from the U.S. to Canada, you can still use personal checks or international postal money orders, or you can send cash or use PayPal. Across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal. And remember, straight donations are awfully welcome, because I don't bring on advertisers as guests who sell you things, and uh, I don't have any shares in any companies or corporations selling things as well. Now, as I say, the, the, the system you're living through is vastly different. It's all perception management. And I've, got, I've done articles before about perception management. It's a big thing with neuroscientists. It's the latest term they're using for the guys who fiddle with all of our brains on a mass scale. And it works very, very well. They understand human nature. You've all seen the wildlife programs where they send in the zoologists to study animals and the anthropologists to study tribes and so on. Well, they've done it all with us long ago. And they're always updating all their news and information and putting it together so that they can manipulate us all on a mass scale much, much better. And it works awfully, awfully well, including your culture industry. That's all a big part of it because a lot of the stuff that you that's really politically correct for all the changes that you must go through come from the culture industry, even through um, comedians and, and comics and, and, um, and movies and so on. That's how easily it is to program the general public. And the general public are really almost like a mass man. Individuality, remember, was, a, was really put to the, to the pinnacle uh, with the, the beginning of the U.S. when it formed its independence from Britain. And there was this time for, for this new thing. It was a new thing that individuality was a big, big thing. 
And of course it was a temporary thing because it had gone back into the mass man type thing. We've got parties to vote for now. And the, the guys at the top of the parties are all selected for you by the Council on Foreign Relations. That's put out by their own historian, Carl Quigley. And it has been that way for a long time. But prime ministers as well in, in Canada and state and in Britain and elsewhere in the world have done the same thing for a hundred years. That's not bad going. So it doesn't matter about all the minor politicians. They'll do what they're told by the guy at the top. As long as you have the guy at the top and a few of his advisors, because advisors are even more important because they're the guys that really run the show and write all the speeches. They understand the agenda that they're in on. But they're all members of this big organization. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Waterback, cutting through the matrix and talking about the big system you're born into. And it's an old system uh, that was pretty well perfect even when it started because the big boys, they're all Institute for International Affairs, were causing wars across the world way back in the beginning of the 20th century. Even before that, in fact, when they called themselves the Milner Group, they, they were actually causing wars across Africa in order to send in the British troops, blame the Boers who were in there, send in the British troops and take it all over with diamonds, gold and all, you see. So the that is for an awful long time, and they're still doing it today under the same old guises. Oh, we've been attacked after they pushed and pushed and pushed, and, uh, and, and then they go in and plunder. And mind you, too, as they're plundering it, the public are paying for all the, the military expenditure on it, too, by the big banks borrowing money and putting you down as a guarantor to pay it forever and ever and ever. Old, old system. Sorted awfully well. And while all this is going on too, we're going, we're in the global system, the global society. Remember, it's a new feudal system, according to Quigley. He says, this is a, a new feudal system where the CEOs and corporations are running the world. It's already happened. It already has happened. And we're seeing the effects of it now as they all vie for their top dollars. See, the guys at the top are international. They get a different education from you get, and they, they are international in their minds. I've gone through Jack Z. Lull and Jack Satali, Jack Satali especially, and Atali's at the United Nations, and he's put up books out on this global system, winners and losers in the coming New World Order, for instance. He mentioned the next boat people will be Americans looking for work across the, the waters. Because the, the plan was always to empty the factories over to China on behalf of the big corporations. The taxpayer would fund the, mo- the, the moving of it all, which we did, in fact. All the, all the countries of the West did this and even pay for their losses while they were setting up or their claimed losses. That's not a bad deal, isn't it? And yet none of this is mentioned ever with any politician that comes up for election. None of it is mentioned. They're right back to jobs and welfare and schooling and health care. Same old stuff. So you're run by an international group, and they formed their own club as well, the G20. And they never mention that either when you vote them in. They never tell you what the next part of the push for the G20 will be and where they're heading with it all. But we know what it's for all about. It's for global government. They like to call it governance, you see. But that's really what it is. And there's winners and losers in the coming New World Order, as Italy says. 
So we're going through it all now. Now, we know, for instance, that China has had problems with its own uh, steel industry and mining industries, etc. And they're going into a slump because they were ripped off by their own businessmen. It happens everywhere. And we're all interdependent now, apparently, with the corporations. And when they go down, and they're all interdependent, we all go down too, you see. There's an article here that says, Canadian exports collapse, expect plunge in the GDP. China factored the U.S. recession factor. All major Canadian exports, including energy, autos, agriculture, forest products, and machinery and equipment, collapsed in the latest report. And the Canadian analysts are shocked by the news. Well, I don't believe they're shocked, because if they're the best they've got, what kind of science are they following if they're the best? They're shocked, didn't see it coming. Nonsense. Anyway, the author says, for my reason, he says, I, I'm annoyed. He says, for my reason, look at the happenings in China, a huge recession in Europe, and even a recession in the U.S. that surprisingly few have even figured out yet. And the Globe and Mail reports sharp trade slowdown set to wall up the GDP. See, Canada now, it's like Australia, is now, you see, is primarily an exporting country of raw resources. That's lumber, and that's your minerals. You've got lots of mining up where I am, for instance, Sudbury. Uh, so we don't really make much at all anymore. It's all done in China by the same corporations that moved over there. So when one goes down, we, we, we all go down. And China now has got the, the world to pick from, from all its minerals and its iron and its copper and everything else. So of course it was coming. It doesn't get a, a genius or expert to see that coming down the pike. It says that the high dollar and the global slowdown are crushing Canada's trade-dependent economy. In the latest evidence, the country posted the largest trade deficit in July since Statistics Canada began keeping records in 1971. It wasn't just the scale of the gap, $2.3 billion, that jolted analysts. It's how the economy got there. Well, how would it get there, eh? Free trade, free trade. Virtually all major exports fell sharply, including energy, autos, agriculture, forest products, machinery and equipment. The overall drop was 3.4%, a place by an even larger 5% decline in exports to the U.S., Canada's largest customer. It's true enough, we cut all the trees down here, and we sent it down to the U.S., and they kill and dry it there, and then send it back up here at four times the price. <laughs> I mean, that's the deal we've got. At 2 to $3 billion, the trade deficit narrowly eclipses the old mark set in September 2010. Scotia Bank's Mr. Holt said the high dollar is most damaging to U.S. bound exports, which accounted for 72% of all exports in July. So they want basically to devalue the dollar so that the, the guys abroad will see it as more lucrative to, to buy the stuff here that would be cheaper now. That's how they do it. So it's a wangle currency back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So that's standard, standard kind of news item as far as I'm concerned. And everybody's talking too about the, what's happened in Libya, with the ambassador, Chris Stevens, being killed. And uh, they've all got their different versions of it. But it says here, uh, it says, basic details of the attack on a U.S. diplomatic outpost in Benghazi. Libya remains unknown. U.S. officials say they don't know how Ambassador Chris Stevens died. It's unclear who carried out the attack and whether it was planned beforehand, as the White House suspects. It's interesting. It was all supposedly, this is, this is the story that came out, and then the BBC's tried to do damage control by retracting it. Uh, but it's basically came out and said that uh, um, a group had attacked them because they were upset about a film put out by Cal- in California, used Californian actors and so on to do it, where they dubbed in voices over it and lambasted Muhammad, the Prophet Muhammad. Now, I can, I can, I know who who would do that kind of thing. Uh, 
and uh, why they do it too, uh, that, that kind of thing. But it's amazing too, all coincides with September the 11th again, isn't it? Just to bring home to the folk that you see, it was supposed to be them, that lot over there, that caused it all in 9-11, that joke, you know. Anyway, says President Obama paid tribute to Ambassador Chris Stevens, Sean Smith, and two other Americans killed in Benghazi in a meeting with the State Department staff. The film is said to have incited the anti-U.S. violence appears to have been made without the full cooperation of its actors, one of whom told Gawker, that's one of the magazines, she was shocked to learn she'd performed in a spoof of Islam. The film was originally not about the Prophet Muhammad, but about someone called Master George. She said the identity of the filmmaker is still unknown. Well, actually, they've got a name, but, but who claimed he was a, a joint Israeli citizen, U.S. Israeli citizen. And Israel's denied that they've got a guy posted as that, so it's somebody using a different name. The outpost in Benghazi was regarded as unguarded by Marines, there's no Marines here, but all full, uh, full uh, U.S. embassies are. The Benghazi post was an interim facility with lesser security. It says, Mr. Romney took, uh, drew fire for attacking the White House response to the crisis in Cairo before news had emerged of Stephen's death in Libya. And uh, it says, some things we don't know yet. Who's responsible? A Libya-based extremist group with links to Al-Qaeda, not Al-Qaeda thing that the CIA started up, has claimed, has claimed responsibility. And other ones have said, no, they haven't. And the Libyan, Libyan government has pointed fingers at Al-Qaeda. Washington has said nothing. Uh, where the Libya and Cairo protests coordinated. There's no evidence of that. Well, they'll, they'll know at the top who did it and probably paid for it to be done. Because right now it's a tinderbox over there, and they still want to take out Iran. They've got to get it all going to take out Iran. It's still on the list, you see. It's been on the list since the 90s. But it says, uh, was the Benghazi type part of a protest of a Western film perceived as anti-Islamic, or was it planned or separately in advance and just to advantage? We don't know. And um, I'll put up uh, some of the links to this. This one here says about the film, it's called Innocence of Muslims. It's very, it's every detail seems to disintegrate under the first light of examination. It says uh, the film was overdubbed. The film apparently isn't or wasn't about Islam at all. The one that we're making, somebody put in the voices afterwards. CNN quotes from a statement the news organization says was released on behalf of the 80 cast and crew, members of Innocence of Muslims, although who released the statement and how CNN is sure of its authenticity is unclear. The statement condemns the film and claims the actors were duped. Says the entire cast and crew were extremely upset and feel taken advantage of by the producer. Now, so they know who the producer is, obviously. We're 100% not behind this film and we're grossly misled about its intent and purpose, the statement says. Shocked to learn about by the drastic rewrites of the script and lies that were told to all involved. We're deeply saddened by the tragedies that have occurred. And it says that Gawker's Adrian Chen has spoken with an actress in the film. She has no idea that the movie was a spoof of Islam, she tells him. It wasn't based on anything to do with religion, she says. None of this makes sense. It's just Cindy Lee Garcia, an actress from Bakersfield, California, had a small role in Muhammad movie as a woman whose young daughter is given to Muhammad to marry. But in a phone interview this afternoon, Garcia told us she had no idea she was participating in an offensive spoof of the life of Muhammad when she answered the call through the agency last summer and got the part. The script, so this was planned a long time ago, obviously. The script she was given was titled simply Desert Warriors. It was going to be a film based on how things were 2,000 years ago, Garcia said. It wasn't based on anything to do with religion. It was just on how things were run in Egypt. There wasn't anything about Muhammad or Muslims or anything, she says. 
and um, and it goes on and on. The senior U.S. officials say there's no contradiction on how Stevens died. Anyway, Stevens, as we know, uh, was also sent in to, to, to Libya in advance before Libya fell or got attacked and all the rest of it. And he was coordinating troops. Uh, it says non-lethal troops, whatever that means, uh, on, on Obama's orders. So he was given finances and so on in the interim government before it actually happened, before they actually had taken over Libya. He was already setting the stage for the transition, as they called it, into the new system in advance. So he was certainly high profile and a pusher and taking chances. And this is what happened. He was picked for the, for the sacrifice. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back cutting through the matrix talking about Mr. Stevens that was killed uh, just recently and uh, it says here in this other article from the BBC it says um, uh, they were reportedly trying to leave the consulate building for a safer location when gunmen launched an intense attack apparently forcing back security guards. The American ambassador and three staff members were killed when gunmen fired rockets in their direction. A Libyan doctor who treated Mr. Stevens in the hospital said he died of severe asphyxiation. So this is from the BBC, so they know how he died. No one said they didn't. Apparently from smoke inhalation with no other injuries, and he tried for 90 minutes to revive him. He was only American brought into the Magazi Medical Center. He says, second U.S. man killed in the attack was named as Sean Smith, father of two who was employed as an information management officer. That's propaganda, you see, uh, officer on behalf of the U.S., Names of the remaining two victims have not yet been released. And, of course, he basically he was under uh, Hillary Clinton, this is Mr. Stevens, and he was part of this transitional government so that they can get the proper government and the one that the, the West wants to get in, their own, their own puppets, you say, like they've done everywhere else. So we'll hear more and more about this, and we'll see where it goes. But obviously someone with the movie planned it a long time ago and let it go off at the right time as well. Uh, to, to stir up some anger, but Muslims generally really are not so affected by things that you, you, the West would make you believe concerning their religion. And uh, there's more behind this, obviously. Some agency, CIA, who knows, will be have a lot more information, or even the Mossad. We have no idea yet. Now, Europe, as we well know, is supposed to be a sinking ship that constantly takes, borrows money from the central bankers, you know, who now run the whole of Europe. And they, they borrow money from the central bankers and uh, throw it into the black hole to plug the leak in the ship that's sinking. And they never tell the public where the money goes. All they tell them is that you're, you're, you now owe more and more money as debts. And every taxpayer's got more and more added per person to the debt that they now owe. And rather than let the whole thing fall apart, remember, that was one of the biggest things that they said when they created their own Institute of International Affairs, or for International Affairs, that they would create these these blocks of countries. And remember, too, they technically financed as well the Soviet system, which is a block of countries, the same pretty well block they've got now for the euro. And um, so it didn't really matter who really made the block as long as the big boys were in charge of it themselves. But uh, they also want the Americas to go the same way. And one already under the go for the Pacific Rim region where Australia and New Zealand goes under China as a dominant partner. 
This was written a long, long time ago. And Jeremy says Germany's top court has blocked the Eurozone's rescue fund, known as the, is back to, as you say, uh, the rescue fund, known as the European Stability Mechanism. They keep, they keep giving a different name with every loan they throw out there, letting financial markets breathe a sigh of relief. $600 billion Eurozone rescue fund, they've already spent trillions on it, should have been in place by July to replace a temporary European Financial Stability Fund, <laughs> but have been held up by pending this ruling. More than 37,000 people had signed a petition asking the court to block the European Stability Mechanism and make it subject to referendum, which means the people want their sovereignty back, all the different countries. That call has been rejected, but the court ruled any future increase in the size of the fund or Germany's contributions needs approval of the German Parliament, or by asking the German people. The court also ruled that Germany must ensure a de facto opt-out clause if it felt its interests were not being considered. The Federal Republic of Germany must make it clear that it does not want to be bound to the ESM treaty as a whole if any reservations it might have should prove ineffectual. And it says it's a good day for Germany, good for Europe, said the, uh, <laughs> Angela Merkel. Debt's good, you see. They're borrowing money and putting everybody into, into serfdom. It's a good day for Germany, it's a good day for Europe, she says, because she's a total globalist as well. But the market's happy because the European shares rose after the ruling and the euro has reached a four-month high against the dollar, so the big boys can go to town with it at everybody else's expense. Nigel Farage, of course, I'll put a link up to him tonight too. He's got a little talk on a speech given by Barroso. Uh, in Brussels State, the Union Address, that's what they call it now, with the whole of the Federal Union of the Europe. And uh, Farage answers all his nonsense back uh, with a bit of common sense and humour as always. But it says here that um, he provided a much-needed dose of reality to the peculiar pontifications of Barroso's State of the Union speech last night, considered the fanaticism of Europe's ever more concentrated power base, summed up by his interpretation of Barroso's call for a federal union of states. They want to totally do away with your parliaments and just leave a little committee or a little office there that used to be your parliament, and the, the EU parliament is to be the supreme being, you see, forever. And it says here, it called for a federal union of states. It says, well, the nation state should continue to exist. It mustn't have any democratic power. The Englishman goes on to decide or to ride Mario Draghi's unlimited money bazooka. Although we suspect Farage's belief that money doesn't grow on trees will soon come into question day after day. Super Mario, as much as implied that he will fight to the last German taxpayer to keep the Mediterranean countries. That should never have been in the euro in the first place. But for a sense of just how ludicrous things are becoming in the EU, this clip is important as it reminds us of Monty's monstrous Mario. Recent statement that nation-state democracy will bring down the European Union. That's what they said, the, the president of the EU. Farage fears this uh, rumbling facade over a crisis could go on for a decade, and we can only hope not one way or another. Well, so must be. You see, these guys planned this a hundred odd years ago. And there's no way they're going to give it up. And, uh, and, and they're even going on ahead too with the same thing for the Americas as well. But always signing agreements with the US, Mexico and a few other countries in Latin America. Now some music coming in and we'll be back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth.
Hi folks, I'm back cutting through the matrix and it's, it's interesting what's happening in the world. But getting back to the EU amalgamation, of course, I thought the intention always was to do away with national sovereignty. I mean, every step since the creation uh, of the boards and committees that got together about 1948 to create this union, but did it in secrecy. And the public were not to be told until the 90s that the whole idea wasn't just an economic and trade agreement. It was to totally integrate all of them. Now it's admitted, now it's pretty well done. But Barroso, the big ex-Maoist, who's a Maoist, who's a communist, and you can actually see videos of him giving speeches as a student years ago. I might have the link here, yeah, I don't know, I'll see if I can find it tonight. But Barroso is the head of the EU, and it says uh, he calls for a federation of the EU states. They call it states, not nations, you see. So he calls Wednesday for the European Union to become a federation of nation states. In a speech to the European Parliament in Strasbourg, Franco, eh, France, Barroso outlined its sweeping changes to the 27-member bloc, including modifying its treaty with highlighting what he said was a need for countries to share sovereignty. And it says, here are some of the excerpts from Barroso's speech, one uh, on goal of EU federation. We will need to move towards a federation of nation states. This is our political horizon. I call for a federation of nation states, not a super state. It says, a democratic federation of nation states. How can you, if you, if you do away with your sovereignty, you have no democracy. Especially when a guy like this is dictating to you, right? A democratic federation of nation states that can tackle our common problems, but all the problems they have now is caused by the the European Union itself. This is through the sharing of sovereignty in a way which each country and its citizens are better equipped to control their own destiny. That's a lie. It's a contradiction in terms of what you're saying. It's doublespeak. Creating this federation of nation states will ultimately require a new treaty, which is already drafted up. They'll probably blow the dust off it and get them to sign it. A deep and genuine economic and monetary union can be started under the current treaties, but can only be completed with a new treaty, he says. And on position of Greece, I truly believe that we have a chance this autumn to come to the turning point. They've been saying that for over three years. If Greece banishes all doubts about its commitment to reform, and if all other countries banish all doubts about their determination to keep Greece in the euro area, we can do it. I believe that if Greece stands by its commitments, meaning all their debts, it should, as a member of the European family, stay in the Euro area. We'll all be dead with starvation by the time they finish paying off their debts. On the role of the European Central Bank that they set up too. Amazing how, you know, the central banks are completely private enterprises. And they're outside of politics. And they actually draft up their own charters and get the politicians to sign them, agreeing that they should stay private and sort sovereign banks. For the, they, they, they themselves, the banks are sovereign. And we think this is normal. So the European Central Bank cannot and will not finance governments. But when monetary policy channels are not working properly, the Commission believes that it is within the mandate of the ECB to take the necessary actions, for instance, in the secondary markets of sovereign debt. Indeed, the ECB has not only the right, but also the duty to restore the integrity of monetary policy. On ECB independence, all actors, that's what they call them, and I really mean all actors, should respect the ECB's uh, independence the European Central Bank's independence. On European Banking Union, he says, supervision must be able to look everywhere because systemic risk can be anywhere, not just in so-called systematically relevant banks. He goes on a monetary union, and the Commission will publish a blueprint for deepening the economic and monetary union still this autumn. They're going for total amalgamation, deepening the union. They used to call it closer ties. That's all they tell the public. 
well, the Prime Minister's off to sign something with the, with the, 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 the European Common Market, they call it, to create closer ties. So you're sending all your sovereignty away. Our blueprint will identify the tools and instruments and present options for legal drafting that would give effect to them from policy coordination to fiscal capacity to debt redemption. And where necessary, as in the case of jointly and separately guaranteed public debts, it would identify the treaty changes necessary. Now go again, go to your history and look at the Royal Institute for International Affairs, CFR, and, and the Milner Group that preceded it. They morphed into the, the RIIE and they talked about setting this whole thing up how they would con the public over even a century, if need be, into a total union, do away with their sovereignty. And they would also use the IMF, which also is a branch, a private branch, belonging to this private organization called the Royal Institute for International Affairs. And they would be the heavy men collecting debts from the countries. And they would tell you how to live or how you couldn't live or what you could eat or you couldn't eat or go into austerity, which is all happening now. Written a long, long time ago, you see. We're living through a script, you understand. A massive script. And they won't change the script. These guys have been at this for so long. And they also have been behind all the wars that we've known since the beginning of the 20th century, even in the late 1800s. So I'll put that link up tonight too. Now, another one too is, I always get a laugh at the psychiatric profession, as they call it a profession. Although they lost all their credence when they threw out a lot of their studies over years over uh, certain types of people, but it became a, a political issue, and uh, they, so they, they dropped um, basically certain diagnoses to do with certain peoples and lost all credence as a science. But anyway, Johnson and Johnson settled a lawsuit in the first day of a trial over claims that this antipsychotic drug Risperdal caused a male plaintiff to grow breasts tissue, one of his lawyers told the state judge in Philadelphia. The lawsuit by Aaron Banks, 21, was the first to go to trial on claims that Risperdal caused boys to grow breasts. Another, another trial on the same claim is set to begin September the 20th in Philadelphia. The terms of settlement are confidential. Steve Scheller, another of Banks' attorneys, said, following the announcement in court to, uh, today. The case resolves and, and the client is satisfied. So they a big a lot of money for it. The lawsuit is one of about 420 claims against G&G and its Janssen units that allege personal injuries caused by Respiradol. The company said in a regulatory filing last month, 103 of the suits involved claims that the drug caused young males to grow breast, Scheller said. Banks claimed he sustained psychological trauma uh, from the breast growth experienced and while taking the drugs as a child. As a child, putting children on his side, from the years 2000 to 2004, when it wasn't approved for children. It shouldn't be on for adults either. Mind you, adults are changing their genders now, so maybe it's the way it's supposed to go, you see. Just a coincidence. The Food and Drug Administration gave its approval to Riceperdal for psychotic orders, including schizophrenia, in 1993. It was later approved for other uses. Uh, Teresa Mueller, spokesman in New Brunswick, New Jersey-based Johnson & Johnson, didn't immediately return a phone call for comment. The billions J&J made, uh, made had a terrible human cost. Bob Hillard, one of the bank's lawyers, said in an email statement, the drug caused female breasts to grow on little boys around the country. You think they haven't tampered with you deliberately? You really do think that? Going back to Charles Galton Darwin, he said they'd use hormones and everything, medications, stuff in the water and in your food, injections. And, and literally, they feminize the male. When that happened, they wouldn't fight the big, the big agenda, which we've been talking about tonight. 
That's right, how we practice long-term warfare. You must eliminate the potential future uh, guys who are going to come against you. You neutralize them. It's all coincidence, right? The U.S. has been investigating rice product sales practice since 2004, including allegations the company marketed a drug for unapproved uses, and so on and so on. So that's the start of the lawsuits. So there should be more and more uh, coming uh, now, I'm sure. I even read somewhere that some of the, the boys even lactated, for goodness sake. You know. And so we're going through this gender-bending stuff, which is all part of the agenda. Uh, British schools put cameras in bathrooms and lockers, it says here. Uh, the King's Egra School in Sheffield. Teens who go to the toilets are never really alone. Video cameras are inside all 12 bathrooms. Citing findings gathered via freedom of information requests, privacy activists Wednesday identified King Egbert as one of more than 200 high schools across Britain that have installed surveillance cameras in bathrooms or locker rooms. Now, a lot of these schools now have been redefined as academies because the scores are so terrible now. They're redefined as academies. And what used to be high schools, you start at 11 years of age now, not 12. So 11-year-olds onwards are getting photographed in the bathrooms here. The group behind the report, Big Brother Watch, said a powerful watchdog is needed to ensure the student's privacy is protected. Well, it will be protected if you take all the cameras out. The report will come as a shock to many parents, said Director Nick Pickles. Schools need to come clean about why they're using the cameras and what's happening to the footage. Well, they sell it abroad. You'll find it all over the place, I'm sure, for all the paedophiles that's, that are coming up in force, like all the other groups before them. Uh, they've got uh, sort of equal status or superior status and the rest. Leslie Bowes, King Egbert's principal, argued that the cameras help keep her students safe. Do you understand this is what they use for everything when they're taking all your privacy away? to keep you safe. As a way of safeguarding the children, Bowes said, she described her school's cameras whose footage is reviewed only if there's suspicion of wrongdoing as useful anti-bullying tools. And she rejected any uh, suggestion that a recording catches a student's most intimate activities, seeing the, camera, the cameras monitor just the doors. Really? The cameras are nowhere near the toilet cubicles, she said. A total of 207 high schools across England, Wales, Scotland acknowledged installing cameras in bathrooms and changing rooms, according to Big Brother Watch, which sent freedom of information requests to nearly 4,100 schools in May. That's a conservative figure, according to Pickles. Nearly half the schools queried uh, didn't reply by the deadline. It isn't clear where in the bathrooms all those cameras are being placed, who is watching, or whether any youngsters have been taped in states of undress. Well, I bet, of course they have. Since the Information Commissioner's Office, an independent authority in Britain, whose duties include promoting privacy, they actually called the Privacy Commissioner in all the, the, the British Commonwealth countries, but it's a guy who has no, no uh, power. They give us a privacy commissioner. They always tell us we're losing all our rights and, and, and privacy, but you can't do anything about it. And this verifies that. It says that recordings in toilets or changing rooms is, is legal, but it's re- recommended that it could be used only in the most exceptional circumstances. By contrast, in the U.S., these of video cameras in schools are generally not allowed in places where there's a reasonable expectation of privacy, such as bathrooms, locker rooms, according to Justice Department. So it says, why put cameras in the bathrooms in the first place? King Eckbert in Sheffield is a relatively large, well-performing school whose glossy websites show modern classrooms lined with flat-screen monitors. 
wilderness specialises in the performing acts surrounded by suburban neighbourhoods and so on and so on. Although knife crime is a problem in urban areas, British high schools aren't blighted by the deadly gun violence that's prompted many U.S. counterparts to install airport security-style metal detectors at their entrances. It says, but both Egbert and uh, Wilden said that the cameras weren't meant to tackle serious problems. It says it's been installed to control typical teenage stuff, such as smoking. Can you believe this? Can you really believe this? Can you imagine all the, you understand how many pedophiles are up there in high places of business and governments and so on? And they, they, they definitely get a hold of all this kind of stuff. There's no doubt about that whatsoever. No doubt whatsoever. Anyway, overall, Big Brother Watch estimate the British high school students and staff are monitored by more than 100,000 cameras, with 90% of the schools surveyed acknowledging the use of some form of video surveillance. What is for two is to train the children who are going to grow up the adults that this is the normal. And wherever you go, right down to your home eventually, because it will be in your home, It'll be mandatory, and we'll all have to have them watching us, you see. That's that's where they're going with it. Training, training. You always start with the young and train them. They'll think it's quite natural. And Yahoo's got an article on it too, and I'll put both of them up, and you can read them for yourselves. Another interesting thing too is this world we're going into, remember, uh, is really privately owned, as I mentioned before, the Royal Institute for International Affairs is a private organization that supplies all your top politicians across the world to every country. It runs all the major media across the planet. Private. It's privately owned. You don't vote it in. You have no say in what they do. They advise all governments, meaning they tell governments what to do. And part of their plan was privatizing the world's. Because also, lots of their members are all the big corporations, you see. And Mary Carl Quigley talked about the new feudal system run by CEOs of corporations. Well, here's another experiment going on, and they're doing it in a few places, not just Honduras. But says Honduras sets the stage for three privately run cities. Investors can begin construction six months on three privately run cities in Honduras that will have their own police laws, government, and tax systems. Now the government has signed a memorandum of agreement approving the project. An international group of investors, I wonder who they are, eh? And government representatives signed the memorandum Tuesday for the project that some say will will bring badly needed economic growth to the small central America. It's always to help you to take you over, eh? Putting yourself down. And that at least one detractor describes as a catastrophe. The project's aim is to strengthen Honduras' weak government and falling, a failing infrastructure, overwhelmed by corruption, drug-related crime, and lingering political instability after a 2009 coup. The project has the potential to turn Honduras into an engine of wealth, said Carlos Pineda, president of the Commission for the Promotion of Public-Private Partnerships. Public-Private Partnerships. That means the public pay for all the debt, for everything, and private corporations simply own everything that runs, your railways and everything. It can be a development uh, instrument typical. That's what it says. Though. It can be a development instrument typical of the first world country. See, we're privately owned too, for those who haven't figured it out yet. Just copying the first world countries. We're, we're privately owned. 
The Moros cities will have their own judiciary, laws, governments and police forces. They also will be empowered to sign international agreements on trade and investment and set their own immigration policy. Well, again, that's part of this international free flow of, of uh, for free trade of uh, not just goods but also labor across borders. So here's a prototype for other countries to follow, smaller countries. And uh, so big corporations are behind it, and they'll all be watching how it goes. They'll work out all the flaws and then bring it into other countries as well. You have these big cities that China has built down there as well, Latin America, all lying empty, and they're going to move in there and other places across the world where they've built them. They're not just building them for the fun of it. It's for use down in the future, privately owned. Another article is to do with what we all know, because I've gone through the whole histories years ago uh, on radio about the whole, not just the movie industry, but computer games that were made for the military and then weaponized even further as they found out more and more and more ways of altering your brainwaves. And the, the, they were meant to make you a killer, basically, for the military. And it says, look, this is brand new stuff, eh? So TV computer games can act as triggers for aggression, says New Report. How many new reports are they going to have on this for the last 20, 30 years? So it says, um, it can give you aggressive thoughts and feelings. Ratings are not substitutes for parents watching, playing, or listening to the, to the media their children use. Well, there's hardly any parents involved with their children now because, as Bertrand Russell and others who gave us this culture, they designed it all for us, by the way. Destruction of the family unit and all that kind of stuff. The two parents, for sure, especially male and female. Uh, they said that the state would then bring up the children and give them their new morals and values. That's been done. So they simply know uh, what it does, all these images that you watch, what it does to you. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix and... Skipping back to the, the washrooms with the cameras in it, it's not just cameras that they're doing, they're actually building new washrooms in, in universities now. It says new gender neutral washrooms at University of Victoria aimed at transgendered students. Transgendered students, you see. And it says uh, men and women at the University of Victoria can now use the same facilities with the opening of one of Canada's first gender neutral public washrooms. The two new washrooms in the student union building, converted to unisex just before the start of the school year, were introduced largely to accommodate the school's population of transgendered students. Many students on campus don't identify as being either male or female, or they have received harassment and discrimination for not appearing to be of the gender of the washroom that they're in, said Emily Rogers, chairwoman of the UVic Student Society. These washrooms increase safety for folks who don't conform to male or female stereotypes. My life used to be awfully, awfully simple at one time, wasn't it? The formerly male washroom now has an extra large barrier around the urinals, where the formerly female washroom is urinal-free. Admittedly, it's still a little gendered, but it's a step in the right direction. Well, some of them still have their attachments. I mean, don't forget it. I mean, you, I guess you have to have everything there. You know. Converted at a cost of $5,000, the facilities are marked with an image of a toilet rather than traditional male and female stick figures. They've already garnered attention, not all of it welcome. 
And then it goes on. And then, of course, there's also this article, pedophiles are given the right to challenge being placed on the sex offenders register. See, they want the same uh, laws. See, once you start with the, knocking down one pillar uh, of the pantheon, the rest of them all come down. You weaken the whole lot. Understand that? And, and the pedophiles want to use the same techniques, which they are using. They've even sent their own, their own publications that give uh, homosexualities, so homosexuals the rights and so on, superior rights. So they're getting it too. And this will become normalized because I've said years ago, eventually there won't be such a thing as pedophilia either. So they're given the, the right to challenge being placed on the sex register. Uh, says um, thousands of rapists and pedophiles will be able to appeal against their inclusion on the sex offender register from today, despite concerns from the NSPCC that they must always be considered a risk. And the politicians were forced to change the law. The Supreme Court ruled two years ago that it was a breach of offenders' human rights to be put on the register for life with no review. The government estimates around 1,200 sex offenders could be eligible for review every year. <laughs> and Home Secretary Theresa May, and she may, well, she may not, said she would make the minimum possible changes to the law to comply with the Supreme Court ruling, but charities have expressed concern that children could be at risk because pedophiles cannot be reformed, and that is a fact. That is a fact. So you understand we're all going to the dogs, and it was designed this way, order up chaos, you must first create the chaos, and from gender bending to everything else, plus the folk definitely are showing signs of all the estrogen that they're getting pumped up with through their food systems and their bottled water, their plastic water, and all their packaged foods that they eat, and canned food that they eat too. And uh, there's definitely physical changes happening in people now. The guys are getting thinner in the shoulders sometimes bigger in the hips. And uh, again, I've gone into all this in the past. Go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com archive section and you'll see a lot of articles from the past on, on what's been happening to us. And again, Charles Galton Darwin said that they'd use hormones to neutralize opposition, especially in the males, make them more effeminate. Excess hormones would make females actually more masculine, strangely enough, more aggressive for sure. And we'll see all of that even by police reports now. From Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>